Brunswick minister cancels local town state of emergency on homelessness. Surrey cop demoted but not fired after pleading guilty to three breach of trust charges. Edmonton cop put on probation for being found guilty of beating a man and leaving him in the river valley. And one American has now been charged in the assassination of former president of Haiti. Good morning. It's Thursday, December 7th. I'm Nora. I'm home. Here are your headlines. First to St. Stephen, New Brunswick. There, that town council has declared a state of emergency over homelessness in their community. In the past weekend, a 41-year-old man was, quote, found needing immediate medical attention in a municipal park in Milltown and later died at the St. John Regional Hospital, unquote. That passive language comes from Sergeant Scott McKenzie with the St. Stephen Detachment of the RCMP. So there are a few details in this story from CBC about what actually happened, but the city's response, both through the emergency council meeting and in their declaration, demonstrates pretty clearly that the town believes that this man's death was related to homelessness. Their declaration said that the province has failed to adequately support people. Quote, the municipal district of St. Stephen has neither the jurisdictional authority nor the financial resources to appropriately address the consequences of the government of New Brunswick's failure. Unquote. That's from the statement from the municipal district, as quoted by Hannah Rutterdam at CBC News. The declaration was passed unanimously. A city declaring a state of emergency over its lack of capacity to deal with homelessness isn't new. For many municipalities, it's a last resort to tell the province that they need more help or else risk more people dying. But the province of New Brunswick is run by a network of ghouls. Public Safety Minister Chris Austin responded to the decision to declare a state of emergency by saying this, quote, People die all the time in car accidents. We do not declare state of emergencies for that, unquote. Actually, Chris, that is a bit of a state of emergency that we're so okay with people dying in car accidents all the time. You're right. Austin wants the town to prove to him that the situation constitutes an emergency or else the province said they would cancel the declaration. When questioned by the Liberal opposition, Social Development Minister Jill Green said that they haven't been able to find a place for a shelter in St. Stephen because of nimbyism, that locals didn't want to deal with the issue. St. Stephen has a population of about 4,400 people, or at least they did during the 2016 census. And the homeless population is somewhere between 70 and 100 people. There is a temporary warming shelter in the park where about 30 people rotate in to stay warm. The shelter, writes Rutterham, is 10 by 10, which I'm guessing means 10 feet by 10 feet, not 10 meters by 10 meters, though she doesn't say. Mayor Alan McEachern hopes that this might force the government to actually do something to address homelessness in this province. But there was an update yesterday, and so far the province has just said, no, this isn't their problem. Yesterday, they cancelled the state of emergency, saying that the situation in St. Stephen isn't, quote-unquote, anything approaching a local emergency. CBC's Nipun Tiwari wrote this, quoting Austin, quote, All these issues that we're facing today are based on Trudeau policies, leftist agendas that are degrading our society that we're seeing right across the country. 
But then he said the blame had to stop, quote, to ensure that people have a warm place to sleep and food in their bellies, unquote. What Austin's doing here is like total fascism, folks, like blaming this on leftist agendas that are degrading our society when it's actually the only, quote unquote, agendas that will have any solutions to dealing with this crisis is pretty disgusting. So I don't know. People of New Brunswick, I hope you take this guy on somehow. Next to two cop-related stories. First to Surrey, where Bethany Lindsay is reporting that RCMP Corporal Peter Leckie is on trial for targeting a vulnerable woman and using his power to, quote, pursue a sexual relationship with the teenager, unquote. Now, the age of the woman is 19, teenager and adult. Her father had just been murdered. She was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and had just entered the sex trade. So she was quite vulnerable. Leckie searched police databases on her and her mother, showed up at their house, quote, under false pretenses, unquote, and tried to pursue this sexual relationship. The woman's victim impact statement says that she was, quote, in an extremely dark place, and he took advantage of that. Leckie has pled guilty to three counts of breach of trust. Each count is related to him accessing three different women's confidential files, quote, for the purpose of his own sexual gratification, unquote. He specifically chose women whose marginalization meant that he could probably get away with his crimes. In particular, he came to the home of this woman and her mother after mental health officers had visited them, a visit that Leckie was aware of. He said he was doing this to check to see if she was okay, considering a sex worker had just been murdered in Surrey. Despite pleading guilty to three charges, Leckie had actually been facing 15 charges, including sexual assault. Some of the charges were stayed because he accepted a plea deal. The Crown isn't seeking jail time. Both the Crown and the defense are asking for six months of house arrest and a year of probation. Isn't it funny which trials the Crown and the defense seem to have no problem working together on? Now, in his defense, the article from Bethany Lindsay includes this confusing line from Leckie, quote, Leckie said he dreamed of being a police officer since he was a child, and during his 13 years at the RCMP, he constantly prioritized his duty to the force over his own well-being, unquote. Which is weird to add in this article, because clearly he did not actually prioritize his duty to the force over his own well-being. If that were true, he wouldn't be on trial. And then Leckie blames his actions on having PTSD. He's still a member of the RCMP, though. He's suspended without pay, and he will face a code of conduct hearing in June. Next to Police Story 2, Paige Parsons with CBC News is reporting that Constable Matthew O'Mara has been demoted from a five-year constable to a three-year constable. He has to stay in this role for two years and cannot be promoted during this time. The Edmonton cop is being demoted because he punched a homeless man repeatedly in the head and then drove him into the river valley where he left him. The man was intoxicated and sleeping at a 7-Eleven when O'Mara showed up. As a result of the attack, the man was bleeding from the head and was left far from shelters or a hospital. O'Mara had a police partner that night who's also facing a disciplinary hearing. This happened in 2017, and in 2020, O'Mara was found guilty of assault. He got 18 months of probation, which is about the same sentence that the Crown and Defence is seeking in the case of Surrey, I just mentioned. O'Mara had been on workers' compensation disability leave since 2020. The article doesn't explicitly say why. Parsons notes that the disciplinary hearing, quote, lasted several minutes, unquote, and that the presiding officer didn't need to hear anything further, as he had already read written materials. Fred Kamins said this, quote, he was satisfied that there was little public interest in pursuing any other penalty for O'Mara beyond the demotion period of two years, unquote. Right. There was no public interest in pursuing other penalties for someone who savagely treated a homeless individual. Put that guy back to work as a cop. 
CBC was told that if it wanted a copy of the statement of facts, it had to file a freedom of information request. Back when he was found guilty, Omara had a psych report that showed that he had PTSD due to his experience as a military police officer and his work with the Edmonton Police Services, and that this mental state, quote, contributed to his disproportionate use of force, unquote, according to the judge. But Omara expressed little remorse and had lied several times in his own defense. These details, of course, should make us ask, if his mental state caused the excessive force previously, what is stopping Omara from doing it again? If his PTSD is directly triggered by this job, shouldn't he go find new work and do something completely different? No, apparently not. So watch out, Edmonton. This guy's going to be back on the streets as a police officer pretty soon. And finally, to international news. The Miami Herald is reporting that an American has been charged with being part of the assassination of Juvenel Moïse, the president of Haiti. Joseph Vincent is the fourth of 11 defendants charged in the case, a plot that reaches from southern Florida all the way to Haiti and Colombia. It's alleged that Vincent attended meetings to carry out the assassination. Vincent has admitted that, yes, he met with some people in Haiti on the eve of the assassination in July 2021 and that he participated in anti-government protests and organized them to use them as a cover to violently force Moïse out. He was also in a vehicle that drove to Moïse's home outside of Port-au-Prince when he was ambushed by a group of Colombian commandos. Vincent faces life in prison for providing material support for an assassination. Vincent has formerly been an informant with the Drug Enforcement Administration. The report says that prosecutors are counting on Vincent to squeal on other co-conspirators. Also charged are former Haitian Senator Joseph Joel John, Germain Alejandro Rivera Garcia, who is a retired Colombian Army officer, Haitian Chilean businessman Rudolf Jar, and Joseph Felix Badio, who had been a bureaucrat in the Haitian government. Those are your headlines for Thursday, December 7th. I'm Nora. You're listening to this podcast at sanianora.com on the Real News Network podcast feed and anywhere you get your podcasts. I hope you have a wonderful Thursday and I'll talk to you tomorrow.